Next on BYU Sports Nation, what percent chance are you giving BYU of beating Michigan State? And is it really a better matchup for BYU compared to speed teams? We go two-on-one with Harvey Unga. How many games does he give Jamal Williams to break his all-time rushing record? Plus a man who produced a Steve Young NFL documentary and women's volleyball coach Heather Olmsted on game day. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hey, careful, Gumby. You might throw your arm out of the socket. I was actually called Gumby in elementary school one time. You really were? Yeah. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. Why? You can move your arm in super fast, uh, crazy ways. I should have been a pitcher. Yes. I could have been Madison Bumgarner instead of sitting here talking to you. Holy cow, I know. <laughs> That's quite the drop-off, isn't it? I'm happier, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday, October 6th. What are you Wherever really and happy? however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who is the TMZ expert on all BYU prospective missionary athletes, Jerem Jordan. Now, we uh, ran into Jake Oldroyd on Monday. We're, we're all okay. It's fine. Um, he said that he was going to get his mission call the next day, and he did. So, so he opened it up yesterday, uh, or I guess Tuesday night. But in case you missed it, he's going to uh, Chile, or Chile, as they say in these parts. Orarno. Osorno? Osorno. Chile Osorno. So he goes to the Mex- uh, Mexico City MTC, I believe. He leaves on uh, six days after the bowl game. He should ask so that's uh, good news. T- Tanner Mangum about uh, Chile, right? Tanner was excited. He quoted the tweet and was very excited. So that, congratulations to Jake Oldred. And there are other guys that go on missions from the team, uh, but congrats to Jake. Funny story about Jake and Tanner. After Jake kicked the game winner against Arizona, mm-hmm. I interviewed him, and he said, yeah, it was actually cool to talk to Tanner Mangum. He had never spoken to Tanner Mangum <laughs> until after that game-winning kick. <laughs> 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 His whole story is legendary. Like, Jake Olderoid could never kick again for BYU, and he'd still be a legend. Hero. Legend. Yes. The first kick he makes is a game and winner. he takes. And it was Kalani Satake's franchise opener, if you will. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Really cool. Uh, that's crazy, man. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football now just two days away from a showdown at Michigan State, the Cougars fly out of Provo today at 1.30 Mountain Time. We'll chat with BYU's all-time leading rusher, Harvey Unga, coming up. Unga! And what he thinks about not being the all-time leading rusher for very much longer. Also, Taysom Hill spoke specifically on why it's important to leave a day early for these Eastern time zone trips. We're used to playing night games too, and then we go back east and play kickoff at, at 3.30 there, 1.30 our time, and so it's an earlier game for us. And so to have that additional day was, uh, was really nice, help us get acclimated. they got to figure out something, right? And remember, there's no, they don't do a fireside as well. So uh, no firesides equal the games are really close. I think that's what uh, we learned this year. <laughs> Paula Sique was activated to the 53-man roster from the p- practice squad for the Bears who play at Indianapolis on Sunday. Very cool for Paula Sique. Remember, he was cut, but then was signed back to the practice squad. That's how it is. He's, and he's a fullback. That's kind of where he's going to live. He's going to live in, in NFL limbo, if you will. Paula Sique is going through what Daniel Sorensen went through, where he was on the 53-man roster, cut, picked up by the practice squad, and then picked back up. Like I that. think that Paul will linger the, in that 
place, though, because he's a fullback. It's just, do we need a fullback this week against this team? Sure. I think that's Who's what Who's injured? What's the game Although Daniel Sorensen is like a safety. You need a safety every week. It's a little different to me. Daniel has pushed his way onto that 53-man roster in a solid spot. Hey, game day for 13th-ranked BYU women's volleyball. They host St. Mary's at 9 Eastern on BYU TV. Yeah. 14-2, and two, coming off the rare loss against 6th-ranked San Diego. Head coach Heather Olmstead will join us in about 40 minutes to talk about what her team expects tonight in the Smithfield House. And the 5th-ranked women's soccer team is in L.A. to play LMU at 11 Eastern time. That's on ESPNU tonight as well as BYU Radio. So if you are watching on TV, you can watch women's volleyball, then soccer on BYU TV, then ESPNU. You can also listen to both games, a doubleheader, on BYU Radio. Plenty of reason to rise and shout on a Thursday. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Matchup matters. You know, they just really gear up with the big physical defenses. They're going to stop the run, and they know they're really smart and disciplined, and they, you know, not... not uh, exotic or crazy in the style of defense that they play. They are just very good and very disciplined and very well coached. BYU-Michigan State, college football Saturday, 3.30 Eastern on ABC or ESPN2. And if you want an idea of what the Spartans do, offensive line coach Mike Gempe just gave you a really good idea of the Spartans' mentality. Some things to consider on the surface. Michigan State has dropped two straight. <gasps> Blowout against Wisconsin in Lansing and an overtime loss at Indiana. They'll be playing the first half without their star defensive lineman, Malik McDowell, (gasps) who was ejected because of a targeting call. What? I hate targeting calls. But it's still Michigan State. Yeah. As we pointed out yesterday, ESPN's Football Power Index gives BYU a 50% chance to win (gasps) in Lansing. These are all great things, Spencer! And they're a a five-and-a-half point. BYU is going to win, right? Five-and-a-half point underdog. Now, I think all of you should chime in on this percentage fun. Our Twitter question is this. What percentage chance do you give BYU to win at Michigan State? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Uh, and, and why? At Broil Blue Coog, 58%. Uh, we have an offense riding momentum, a defense with a chip, and facing a team on its heels, but a good team. And that is probably the most all important valid. thing you said. But a good team. Have you ever heard this? Yeah. Once you say the word, uh, you know, but in a sentence, it's like, well, nothing before that matters. <laughs> so, but a good team. Hey, I think you're great, but I don't really like it. Yeah, whatever you say after that. Okay, I, we can throw out percentages and whatnot, and we'll do that, but let what, the why is what I am more Hashtag interested this in. this is why. Hashtag telling you why. Why? So you give a percentage, but why do you feel that yeah. strongly yeah. about... That given percentage. Explain yourself. And, and the question here is not necessarily um, for you and I when we look at this matchup, not necessarily the percentage, although weigh in on that. It's, is this a better – the matchup is interesting here. West Virginia's defense coordinator said BYU plays like a Big Ten team, which is interesting offensively, right? And, and I look at this matchup, and I was convinced until, I don't know, 9.30 this morning, that this was a better matchup for BYU – than it was against Toledo and West Virginia. But I am convinced now that BYU is better suited to win a shootout than they are a uh, ground-and-pound kind of game. Now, this is interesting because on the surface, it's easy to say, yeah, Michigan State is a better matchup for BYU. The Spartans, they're not going to try and beat you on the edge or in space or run around you like Toledo and West Virginia. But, and there's that but word again. Yep, there there it is. 
Michigan State will try and attack BYU just like Michigan did last year. Uh-oh. Luckily, Michigan State's not as good as Michigan, as you pointed out. They want to impose their will. Now, I don't think this game will be anything close to what BYU-Michigan was last year in terms of final score. No. But if you want an idea of what the Spartans want to do, review BYU-Michigan, BYU-Wisconsin from I'm never going to review BYU-Michigan. BYU-Notre Dame from 2013. <laughs> Sparty's goal is to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and physically wear down the opponent. BYU wants to as well. But Michigan State does a great job of, of that. BYU's working up to them. I know they've lost two games in a row. They're unranked. Oh, they're, they're missing some swagger. This is not the same team. It's still Michigan State. These are players that in large part were recruited by Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and opted to go to Michigan State. These are really good athletes. So, is it a better matchup? Well, listen to what Ty Detmer had to say about what he anticipates from Michigan State. Yeah, they're real similar to UCLA and Utah. I mean, based on their front, they're four down front uh, primarily and and, uh, great linebackers. And so, you know, it's going to be another one of those types of games. I don't think this is a better matchup strictly from a man-on-man perspective because these dudes are big, strong, physical, and relentless. Man-on-man, better than what BYU saw against West Virginia and Toledo from a physicality standpoint. And you heard Kenneth from 30 Rock talk about it. BYU against West Virginia and Toledo, that was a different kind of game, right? And BYU, in the past, BYU struggled to get past good cornerbacks, right? But everyone struggles to get past good cornerbacks. Like, has it, It's been a while since BYU had a receiver where you're like, I don't care who the cornerback is, that guy will win that matchup. The last guy for BYU to do that, in my opinion, was Austin Colley. Cody Hoffman was the next closest guy in that conversation to be like, you throw it up, he's going to make a play. Mitch Matthews against Michigan and teams like there's The reason Mitch Matthews is not uh, on a 53-man roster is because he's, he's really good. I, I didn't use the same word that you did last year. But like the other BYU receivers, it's hard to get past these guys. So BYU's got to be able to run the rock. If they can't run the ball, forget about it in this game. Because Michigan State defensively is really good defending the rush, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Sparty is giving up 105 rushing yards per game. That's it. You think like, oh yeah, if you rush for 100, that's good, right? No, no, no. (laughs) You need to rush for 150. And for BYU to be effective, they have to rush for 200+. plus. In, in the three games where I felt like BYU was really right there, and Utah, uh, BYU makes a, gets a stop, forces the field goal and comes down. The other games, Arizona, West Virginia, and Toledo, BYU ran the ball really well, 200-plus, and they're in business. I think BYU has to rush for 200-plus to have a chance to win this game. BYU 2-1 and one against teams that don't run defenses like Michigan State this season. Utah, UCLA... Losses. They were up against physical, forceful Arizona's defense, West Virginia's defense, they stunk. Toledo, I was surprised that they stunk on defense as much as they did. So, here is your rhetorical question. Can BYU (laughs) withstand the consistent barrage of physicality, create a few turnovers, and be opportunistic? Because they have not been able to do that in the past against teams similar to Michigan State. I had to go all the way back to 2000. Nine to find a team that I compare to Michigan State in terms of scheme, Oklahoma. 
terms of BYU winning a game against a, a defense that mm. re- requires guys to get off man press coverage. You know who BYU had in 2009? BYU had its winningest quarterback. Dennis Pitta and Max Hole. Yeah. Yeah, and, and BYU was able to rush the ball effectively in that game despite not having Harvey Young. We'll talk to Harvey Young coming up. Here's what I like about this matchup, though. I like the fact that Michigan State is one of the least explosive teams in the country. Let me give you some numbers here. Okay. They averaged 23 a game, 105th in the country. They, they have 12 pass plays of 20-plus yards. That's 93rd. Do you know how, B, how many BYU has? 10. And we've been like, not explosive. Michigan State's in the same category. Rushing the rock. That's what they do well, right? Absolutely. 79th in the country in yards per rush. 4.26. What? And touchdowns. Just straight up touchdowns. They have 12. That's 110th. Michigan State is not explosive on offense. And that is great news because if BYU can line up with that front seven. And Butch Pau needs to play in this game. He has a sprained MCL. He's a game-time decision. He needs to play in this game for BYU. Interesting. If they can stop Michigan State's offense and just have enough offensively. Good news, because this is not Wisconsin 2013. This is not Michigan 2015. And Nebraska, to me, is still more like a Big 12 team than a Big 10 team. Oh, they play a spread offense. They play defense like West Virginia. Yes. At least last year, that's how it was. The offensive line and Jamal Williams can win this game because I do not want to come – I don't want to have to put it on the arm of Taysom Hill and these receivers. I want it to be Jamal Williams in the trenches. But if BYU's playing from behind or can't rush the ball, that is bad news for Los Cougars. Okay, that is great news that you bring up because BYU will take a break in any way they can get against a good team like this. And I had somebody just ask me on Twitter, well, how many teams have BYU really played that had strong, like you going back to 2009, but like they've only played a few games. There, there are a lot. Flor- Florida State? Nope. In 2009. Florida State in 2010. Uh, no. How about Utah? <laughs> okay. Utah every year. <laughs> this is only furthering my point. Okay. Notre Dame in 2012. Notre Dame in 2013. Wisconsin in 2013. This is Washington a, in the bowl game in, at, 2013. in 2013. This is a trend. Guess what? People have scouted the tape, and if they have good athletic, strong corners and big dudes up front, they are going to try and beat BYU this way. They are going yeah. to dare them to throw the ball against man press coverage. Jamal Williams has got to play a good game. He's got to play a good game. This whole line's got to be able to block. That's the only chance BYU has of winning this game. Holy cow. Our Twitter question today, what percentage chance do you give BYU against Michigan State and why? Use the hashtag BYUSN to chime in on that. Our conversation roll right now. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, what does BYU need to do against the Spartans to find a way to win? And we have interviews with Heather Olmstead coming up. And what about the guy that produced the all-time career rushing record at BYU, Harvey Unga? He's next. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Hey, ball night tonight. Women's volleyball, 9 Eastern time. St. Mary's against 13th ranked BYU live on BYU TV and BYU Radio as well. Uh, by the way, someone tweeted in at uh, NoobDFS player. Can Jeremy Jordan wear a regular shirt for the show, please? The answer is no. What is considered a regular shirt? We need to define that, right? Before this is, we so this is that. an irregular shirt? <laughs> what? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Should I complain that Spencer doesn't wear plaid shirts enough for me? <laughs> what? What? 
Hey, it's a valid complaint on your end, right, with how much you love plaid? I'm not going to complain. You wear whatever you want. Yes. I love that we're discussing your fashion. America, man. Again, I can we discuss your fashion on this show way more than I ever anticipated we would. Ori- yeah, me too. Originally, when we started the show, we thought that we'd like wear hats, occasionally like wear nope. a jersey or something. No, we're way too quote unquote professional for that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, By the way, it's good. It's good. I, I think I've worn a t shirt like five times in the history of the show. Okay, maybe a little bit more. Or but, 25 times. But We've done the show like 800 times. True, okay, so maybe... What's, what's the show today? What number is it? Do you know? You have an update? 820, 820. 820. That's a significant number. So Let's number celebrate. 820. Okay, the point is, <laughs> I got some feedback from the home front that I should never from wear... From the home front? I should never wear a t-shirt Why? on the show again. Not big enough guns? I'm, well, you don't look professional. You just look... From the home front? You look lazy. I'm not going to pinpoint anybody. Oh, it's okay? your wife, of I'm course. not going to pinpoint anybody. <laughs> Just saying, like, yeah, yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't, you shouldn't wear t-shirts it w- anymore. It was Jax, your five-year-old. <laughs> Danny, okay. you don't have strong enough arms to wear a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, nope, not not going there. We're not. Here's this the thing, Brian Logan. Here's the thing: when Brian Blaine and Jason and David come in here, oh man, we look like we look like the uh, the gym teacher. Compared to those guys. Yeah, the funny she, thing the is... The science teacher. David's and like, they're the gym teacher. David's like, I'm so small now. Like, uh, We're like uh, yep, okay. Hey, our Twitter question today has nothing to do with fashion or the size of biceps. Thank goodness. But rather, we want you to decide how much of a percent chance you're giving BYU to beat Michigan State in Lansing. Now, there are a number of mitigating factors that we discussed in the opening block. And do you think, I mean, is this even a better matchup compared to what BYU has faced this year with spread teams? Because, again, the idea is, well, speed kills. BYU's 2-1 against speed this season and 0-2 against powerful against fronts. Against Keanu Reeves <laughs> this, <Whoa. laughs> this season. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We need to slow this bus down. Use the hashtag BYUSN at Spencer Kenny BLA says, I was feeling a 40% chance until I turned on BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> now my faith has dropped to a 15% chance to win. Thanks, guys. Uh, 15%? We, I presented why Michigan State's not explosive on offense and what I think that means. If BYU can run the ball, and I know that's a huge if, if they can run the ball. They're in business. Oh, man. They're in business. And they have... One of the best running backs in the country, right? Jamal Williams. Yes, they do. So you would think that they will be able to do something, even though that defensive front is stout. But that, that's the key to the game. Run the ball, BYU's in business. Yep. And it comes down to Every that. Every game, too, that's the key. But especially this week. Fitting that we're talking about Jamal Williams right now because he is chasing down BYU's career rushing mark, and the man that holds that is Harvey Unga. We are two-on-one with the current... BYU all-time leading rusher, but for how much longer? Oh, we're going to ask him what he thinks about that, and we did. Two-on-one, BYU Sports Nation with Harvey Unga. Harvey, your record is in peril of being broken, but I'm pretty sure that you're the number one fan of that record being broken because of your relationship with Jamal. What do you think about his performance thus far and him chasing down your record? And, and you don't got to lie either, man. I mean, speak from an athlete's heart. <laughs> you know, if you want to say that you are a little bit – yeah, I got – hold on, I think I got a tissue somewhere. But, yeah, you speak from the heart, man. No, I uh, 
I mean, he's doing all right. You know, <laughs> that's one word for it. No, right? Jamal's. I mean, he's a stud, and and I've uh, I've been his biggest fan. Well, second biggest fan. Mama's obviously the first, but I you know I've been one of his biggest fans since uh, since he stepped on the field, watching him in high school and stuff too. The kid's a stud, and uh, to see what he's done so far, man, he's just a freak. The dude's a freak, and, and credit, you know, to Reno coaching him up and then helping him out throughout the season. Uh, you know, Mike, the O-line, the wide receivers, tight ends, everybody doing their jobs. It's, it's helping him um, along the way. You know, it's, it's – it's, uh, and, and Jamal knows it's, it's a team thing. There's, there's, uh, there's no way he's going to be as successful as he is right now without his team um, and without, you know, the whole entire offense as a collective unit. So, you know, my hat's off to him, and, and kid knows I love him. He's doing great. He's uh, – I told him he's got – I'll give him two more games. <laughs> two more games. <laughs> it's very generous of you. Yes, I know nice. that uh, the offensive line is a huge part of his success, as you mentioned, Harvey, and you've been working closely with them. What has been the key to success for the offensive line in establishing the run against West Virginia and Toledo in back-to-back games? Uh, you know, Mike has just been a phenomenal coach with these guys. I think the uh, the technician in Mike has helped these guys – really solidify the uh, the small intricate things on on the whole blocking scheme of things these guys are studs i mean we got some big boys up there blocking um and and they you know they understand schemes they're super smart guys but once you have you know that effect where you got big dudes who are smart and then you have the technical side man it's unreal to see you know how uh, how well the run game has been and and my hat's off to mike and and coach rare as well randy rare is a he's he's a smart dude um you know his his uh been teaching me a lot of things and and I'm learning and growing and um you know I just I appreciate Kalani for this opportunity because it's it's been a huge blessing for me in this uh, this coaching field all right Harvey when you look at the two tough losses well three tough losses back to back to back seven points what do you say to your team and your players individually as a former player to to keep them going in the right direction and uh and to get them out of a funk because they found a way against toledo albeit by the skin of their teeth but what what's the message to them keep fighting you know i mean they're they're, like you said there's seven points between those games and and when you have uh that kind of upside when you know you have a new offense and new defense you're coming out there playing against tough opponents and you're barely, you know, missing these games. Um, that just goes to show, you know, what's to come. And the, I think what's to come is the upside. And I think, you know, we offensively we saw a glimpse against Toledo. Um, defensively, they know what they can do. I mean, they've they've held teams to a small amount of numbers. Uh, and and so I think, uh, you know, you look forward and 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 build off of those things uh, in a positive manner. There, there's nothing. I mean, like I said, we play tough teams. So to, to lose against these tough teams, I think uh, these guys, you know, they, they're, they're going to keep their heads up, their spirits up, and they know what they're capable of. So, you know, in 2010, when, when I played, um, we struggled a lot. Yeah, and, a yeah I know. Like, <laughs> that was I feel, a long time I feel ago. like a dinosaur, man, being, being so long ago. And it was, it, was, it was unfortunate, man. We lost four in a row. We didn't really have a running game because we missed a, a, a running back that was supposed to be there. And, yeah, I wish that, I wish that guy was there. Guy. Yeah, that guy. I, I, I blame that guy actually for, you know, probably 3.5 of those four losses. Um, but <laughs> going off of what you're saying, it was hard for me as a player to kind of get through uh, that struggle because we were getting blown out. You know, the fact that you guys are losing by, you know, such little points um, it's got to be easier. What do you say to guys if this does happen? Uh, let's, let's say you guys do get blown out or whatever the case is. What, what's the messaging now to these guys um, on how to motivate themselves and how to keep pushing? 
You're saying if we get blown out. I'm saying if. Like, I'm not saying that no, you're, got, you're going to. Right, 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 yeah, right, right, right. It's, not, it's definitely not going to happen. I'm just saying, like, I'm just trying to get the fans some content. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you look at some of the best teams out there, and if, if they're playing their worst game and the other team's playing their best game, regardless of the team you're playing, I mean, you could be playing a D2 school, and if they're on their A game and, and nothing is going your way, and sometimes that's how the game goes. Uh, you know, you look at that and, and know that every team has a bad game here and there, uh, and, and so you can't you can't dwell on it. You know, you like sometimes you just got to give credit to those guys, and you know things were going their way and things weren't going you know our way, and that's how it is. That's how the ball game goes. But um, you you move on to the next game, and you take what you can from that, and, and just move forward. And I think Kalani's doing a great job of that. I think he's instilled in these kids like, look, you know. You can't look back. You learn from what has happened, the mistakes and everything, but there's another week ahead of you, and regardless, if you're getting blown out or losing by one or two, um, you know, there's another game to be played, and you know you just got to bring your best game the next week. Jamal Williams was a little banged up against uh, the University of Utah, and that uh, slowed some of his numbers, and that carried over a little bit to UCLA. But how much of that is Jamal not feeling up to par and facing an elite defensive front like Utah and UCLA have? I mean, it's Jamal's a stud, and at the end of the day, if if, if you're playing banged up, it, it a lot of people don't realize the uh, the psychological effect it has. And and for Jamal, I think off the field, the things that he's gone through, the things that he's battled through, I think, um, and not a lot of people. I don't know. People might believe it, might not, but I think that transfers onto the field. I think you know the things that he's gone through and that he's fought through has definitely helped him endure through these these you know injuries and, and tough games where he hasn't been you know the same Jamal where he hasn't played up to par with what we know he can play he knows he can play but um, the kids tough as nails mentally physically emotionally so I think um, it's it, you know it, it all carries over guys you know like I said you're gonna have bad games you're gonna have good games and he knows it but um, I think the key with him is, is really staying even keel. Instead of going like this, if he just you know stays the course and stays even and just keeps working hard, he's going to be just fine. I, th- I think it's it's pretty clear that Jamal is the workhorse in this offense. Um, you know, Taysom comes in with a nice one-two punch. You know, if he can um, do what Taysom does, right? Um, my concern is as a as a player giving Jamal so many reps and eventually having that that wear and tear. Um, but so far, I have not seen that. You know, do you think it's because it's the beginning of the season still, or just from his efforts, you know, off season and off the field has allowed him to sustain this drive? I think it's it's a combination. I think off the field, he's worked his butt off. I mean, seeing him in the off season, he's transformed. You look at Jamal in the past to now, and the guy just looks physically, you know, different. He just he looks amazing right now, and then. The, the same time, Reno, Reno's a player. He understands the game. He knows how, how long a season is. He knows how to manage his guys. And I think Reno's doing a great job of managing uh, Jamal, really listening to Jamal because, you know, nobody knows how Jamal feels besides Jamal. So when it comes down to it, you know, Reno's, he's, he's given him, you know, the right amount of reps that he needs to, to make sure that Jamal's at his best when he's in and, uh, and knows that it's, it's going to be a long season. He's, you know, he's going to battle through stuff. But I think that management of, of carries um, and plays in the game um, is huge. Uh, but at the same time, what he's done in the offseason is, is obviously a tribute to his success right now. Harvey, great stuff, man. Uh, we got to wrap up. i got to go interview Kalani now. So <laughs> oh. I got to yeah, come to that one yeah, too? Bl- blame it on him.
Blame I, it on I him. get to come, right, to that one? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. You can do whatever you want. Thanks for the time, Harv. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you both. On with Harvey Unga, the career rushing leader at BYU for the time being. Mm-hmm. He said he gave two games to Jamal Williams. That's what I give that him happen. too. Mississippi State at home. That'd be awesome. What percent chance do you give BYU to win at Michigan State on Saturday? At Hillian Garo says 49%. Virtually a toss-up, but lack of a complete game from BYU so far this year gives Michigan State a slight edge. That's interesting. Can BYU run the ball against Michigan State? Coming up, the man who produced the NFL documentary or played a huge part in that, Keith Crossrow, but... How about Ashley Hatch making national waves with the national team? Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, broadcasting in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. What a weekend that we have approaching. Oh, absolutely. BYU and Michigan State's coming up on Saturday. Countdown to kickoff our live one-hour pregame show is at 2.30 Eastern time. Spencer Linton. You'll uh, fly out tomorrow. You'll be at uh, Michigan State for that. So check it out Saturday, 2.30 Eastern time with Dave, Blaine, Brian, David, and Spencer. Hey, I'm looking for a good place to eat in East Lansing on Friday night. So if anybody has suggestions, tweet them in at BYU Sports Nation or at Spencer underscore Linton. On the banks of the Red Cedar. (laughs) Second time you said that, and it's just as effective as the first. Thank you. Let's refresh today's BYUSN headlines. As we mentioned, BYU football playing at Michigan State on Saturday, a couple of days away. The Cougars will fly out today, 1.30 Mountain Time. We'll chat, or we just chatted, with BYU's all-time leading rusher, Harvey Unga. He says he's giving Jamal Williams two games to pass that all-time mark. And also, Taysom Hill, you know, this is something that BYU didn't do last year against Michigan. They left one day, late. Befo- yeah. one day before, and now they've made it a point on the East, for the East Coast games to leave two days before. Taysom Hill spoke specifically about why that is advantageous. We're used to playing night games too, and then we go back East and play kickoff at, at 3.30 there, one thirty our time, and so it's an earlier game for us. And so to have that additional day was, uh, was really nice, help us get acclimated. And they will be. Paul Lasica was activated to the 53-man roster from the practice squad for the Bears, who play at Indianapolis Sunday. 14-2 and two and 13th ranked BYU women's volleyball hosting St. Mary's tonight, 9 Eastern. That game is live, or match, I should say, live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Heather Olmstead will join us in about 10 minutes to preview that matchup. And this just in, Ashley Hatch is one of 24 players on the senior women's national team uh, invited to camp to prepare for two games against Switzerland in October. Whoa! This is very cool. I believe she will miss some time with BYU. Uh, which is the bad news, but the good news is she'll uh, be a part of that national team. One of which, those games, is at Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy, Utah. That'll be on ESPN2 October 19th. Also, today's game day. Ashley Hatch and the Cougars are in L.A. They play LMU at 11 Eastern time on ESPNU and BYU Radio. You look at the explanation of uh, those being invited, and by Ashley Hatch it says... Her says, the BYU striker currently leads the nation in goals with 15. That is amazing. (laughs) Averaging more than a goal per contest. Just remarkable numbers from Ashley Hatch. There's a reason she got invited. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Keith Crossrow, a coordinated producer for A Football Life on NFL Network. Also has worked on other high-profile NFL projects such as the producer of Namath and Lombardi and working on Hard Knocks. So as you can see and hear, he is a very busy guy. Keith, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. 
Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, not very many people get to spend a lot of time or as much time as you have and your crew have with Steve Young. So what did you learn in this project about Steve Young that maybe surprised you? Well, one thing that didn't surprise us, um, not to not answer your question, but one thing that didn't surprise us is what an incredible storyteller Steve Young is. If if you've ever listened to Steve, heard him interviewed or worked with him, you know he's about as eloquent and articulate uh, as, as any pro athlete um, there's ever been. He's always been at NFL Films, our, one of our three or four favorite people of all time to work with. So we do, you know, my partner and I, Chris Barlow, who, who the two of us are the showrunners of our documentary series of Football Life on NFL Network, and we've done about 85 episodes now of wow. Football Woo! Life. And when it came time to do St- Steve Young, um, or you know, we always were interested, but we knew we could do something special with Steve. And he happened to be working on an autobiography with a writer named Jeff Benedict. Um, and the, what we thought we could do special with Steve was to have him be the only voice in his documentary, in his, in his episode of Football Life. We wouldn't interview anybody else. There probably aren't any other NFL players you could do this with. But we, we wanted to try it with Steve, and, and Chris Barlow, the director, ended up shooting with Steve over the course of a year in a multitude of places that occur throughout his life story, including BYU. There's a scene in the film in Lavelle Edwards Stadium in the stands, another scene where he stands in front of the statue of Brigham Young there on campus. And Steve delivered everything we, we would have hoped. Um, I, I think it's a remarkable film. And in, in a way, it's it's an auto, it's its own autobiography. So you really get someone who's bearing his soul, um, who's taking you to all the places that were particularly meaningful in his in his journey to become a Hall of Fame player. So Keith, he's the only Steve is the only voice in the in the entire documentary. Is that what you're saying? He is well, him and the narrator. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it, very wow. minimal narration. But it's a combination of Steve. You know, the the framing device of the film is Steve working on this autobiography with Jeff Benedict. Mm. So there are scenes where Steve is reading chapters from the book. And then there are scenes where Steve is in various places. We took him back to Candlestick Park, which is in its in, in mid demolition, and he stands on the on the on the on the old ruins of Candlestick Park, recounting all the great moments like the Terrell Owens catch. And wow, yeah, Jeff and, Benedict and, and, talked and, about that and said it was just incredibly emotional. It, it, it's an, it's the visuals are extraordinary. There's one shot where he's talking about fans calling for Joe Montana, and, and the camera actually rack focuses to both of their numbers retired and the rafters behind them, behind Steve's head. And it's just so visually arresting and, and moving on so many levels. And, and, and just Steve telling his own story and being there in that place that had so much meaning in his life, I think it adds up to something really powerful. Keith Cosro joining us at KeithCos66 on the Twitter machine, coordinating producer for A Football Life on the NFL Network, has had a huge uh, part in putting together Steve Young's uh, autobiography of sorts in visual form. Fascinating stuff. And clearly, this 
takes a very long time to put together. But just how long have you been involved in this project? Well, Jeff Benedict came to NFL Films, I want to say maybe three years ago, and had lunch with Chris Barlow and myself. And we talked about, he said, I'm working on this project with Steve. I'm not even sure what it's going to become. He's not sure he wants to publish it. But I have this, you know, multi-hundred-page manuscript, and I think it's special. And I think there's something you guys could do that would sort of accompany it. And immediately, you know, like I said, we always thought of Steve as someone who could tell his own story in a way very few people can. So, it, you know, Chris and I kind of looked at each other and said, oh, boy, this could be really, really neat, and knew right away what we wanted to do with it. And Chris, Chris took on the project and directed every one of these shoots. And I, you know, in my role here, you know, we, we kind of run this series together. So I help him along. And, and you know, we, we would look at all the scenes as he was shooting them and figure out what was working and what wasn't. And, and just Chris just did a remarkable job, and Jeff and Steve, of figuring out where to go. There's one scene where Steve Young takes you to the hotel room in San Francisco, where he used to stay, you know, on Saturday nights, even for home games, an NFL team stays in a hotel. And he takes us to the hotel room he used to stay in and talks about this sort of dark place that, that it represented for him during all the years when he was playing behind Joe Montana and, and couldn't get on the field and, and, and sort of the anxiety and the depression and everything he went through during that period. And it, it's an incredibly evocative scene. I mean, he describes, you know, watching airplanes land because you have a view of the airport there at San Francisco, and, and you actually see it all. And he's right in the actual room. And that's the way the film was directed and shot and conceived. And I think it really works on that level. When, you, when, when you're in that place with the person who lived it, and he's actually sitting there looking around telling you, yeah, this is where it all happened. That's incredibly uh, powerful. And we've both been reading the book. Um, I know it comes out next Tuesday. And, of course, this debuts, what, tomorrow night at 9 Eastern on NFL Network? Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, tomorrow okay. night. Um, and, and, yeah, it'll re-air a couple times during the weekend. But uh, I think uh, and anyone who checks it out, I, I think you'll really like it. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, we really look forward to that. Um, as one of BYU's native sons, I was going to say Brigham Young's native sons. Well, uh, great. I think mm-hmm. he's a great grandchild or great great grandchild of Brigham, mm-hmm. Brigham Young. What will BYU fans enjoy the most about this documentary? There's a great clip of Bob Hope announcing Steve Young's presence on the old Bob Hope All-American team, if you remember that. <laughs> and he makes one of his corny Bob Hope jokes about Steve being the descendant of Brigham Young. <laughs> Me um, and Bob Hope. <laughs> you know, we always try to find vintage clips, um, and we have a team that, that does a great job of finding footage, third-party footage that we can incorporate into these films. And so that that's one that we were particularly pleased with for this film. And I, I think the whole sequence at BYU is something that's going to be of great interest to anybody um, from your area there who's familiar with it. And, you know, he talks about what he learned from Jim McMahon. He talks about, as a freshman, not being in uniform. Can you imagine Steve Young wasn't high enough on the depth chart to be in uniform? <laughs> and, and when... And, and, and when you're not in uniform, they give you two tickets so you can go sit in the stands. 
and he just and he's actually again like we said it Chris did such a great job and Jeff Benedict of taking Steve to all these places Steve is actually sitting in the stands on a beautiful day at Lavelle Edwards Stadium talking about that experience and that moment and sitting there crying in the stands by himself and wanting to quit and what happened after that and why he stayed on the team and obviously what followed is, is terrific, and it, it's so great to see Steve in, in, in that uniform playing football. Um, you know, the famous play where he catches the pass for touchdown and just great moments at BYU. I think everybody there will really, really enjoy. Keith, fantastic stuff. Oh, uh, awesome. I, I, in fact, I want to just watch it right now. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm just going to leave the studio and go and go watch the show. <laughs> well, it's one we're really proud of. We've done, like I said, over 80 original episodes of A Football Life now. It's the, sh- the series is in its sixth season on NFL Network. And, and this episode about Steve Young is one we're, we're just really pleased with. And hopefully Steve is, and hopefully everybody at BYU will enjoy it because it's, um, he's a special guy. Um, it's a special story of someone who persevered, who experienced a lot of ups and downs, but never gave up on himself. And there's a lot of values and a lot of just just a great example we can take from his story and apply to our own lives. And I think that's, you know, that's why you watch a documentary on an athlete. That's why you tell these stories. And uh, I think everybody will get something out of it. Keith Cosrell, coordinating producer of Football Life on the NFL Network. Thank you for the time, my friend. We look forward to uh, watching a great production tomorrow night. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Show debuts tomorrow night, 9 Eastern on NFL Network. Holy cow. That's going to be awesome. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Up next on BYU Sports Station, more on Ashley Hatch and her inclusion for the U.S. Senior National Team, plus Heather Olmstead of BYU Women's Volleyball. The head coach joins us on game day. Let's go. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan live from Studio B. If you miss an episode of this show live, the rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 Eastern. That's exactly right. And tonight you can watch the women's volleyball team at 9 Eastern time take on St. Mary's. Big match for the Cougars in conference. That's right. WCC play live on Brigham Young University Television. And to get you set for that sounds match. sounds weird when you say it like that. I know. Who better than Heather Olmstead, the head coach of BYU Women's Volleyball, to preview yeah. tonight's match with us. Heather, nice to have you back in Studio Thanks B. Thanks for having me. We uh, we have a gift for you that I would I would like to extend to you very yeah. early. so we can start it's, this interview off on the right the new note. BYU Sports Nation shirt. We didn't thank give you. one to Jason Shepard the other day, but you oh, get one. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. So there you go. Kalani Satake wore it to his Monday press conference. Did he? So if you want to like wear no that pressure. in the warm ups, no whatever, pressure. feel free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the game, I'll you know, whatever. We'll all be watching closely uh, <laughs> thank you to very see much. what you do. That'd be hilarious no if pressure. during the game you had that. There's no way, but we had to ask. Okay, so now that we've got that out of the way and we're, we're off on a, a good note, yes. both of your star freshmen can now officially vote, Heather. McKenna Miller turned 18 yesterday. I saw her in the student-athlete building, and she was like, I'm legal! Is that something you should yell out loud? <laughs> <laughs> Mary Lake uh, just turned 18 not long before that. 
Are, is the world ready for both of these yeah, young ladies to be 18? We're ready. I'm ready. Everybody's ready. I think the great thing about birthdays and, and getting older is just getting wiser and more experienced. <laughs> so we're all ready. We're excited. So much wisdom there, you know, uh, when you're 18. Totally. What? Uh, your team's 14-2. and two. I know you're coming off the San Diego loss, but you guys were right there in that. Um, at, at four, And we'll talk about San Diego in a second, but 14-2. and two, um, What have you learned about your team thus far? Yeah, I think just what a great job our team has done um, to get to this point. Um, I think we've learned a lot about the team as a whole. We talk about our team, the strength of our team is our team. And so um, it's just been great to see everybody um, play together and, and fight together. And yeah, that San Diego match was, was a fun match last week. Obviously, with a 14-2 and two record, it doesn't take long to figure out that you are not accustomed to losing very often this season or for in your head coaching career, for that matter. But what do you take away from that loss, and, and what did you learn about your team that you can utilize as an, an advantage moving forward in WCC play after a tough setback? Yeah, we talked about things that we learned and obviously moments for, for learning and growth opportunities after that loss and even after wins. And so really the, the serve and pass battle is something we talked about when we want to have an advantage there. And so the, the great thing about San Diego was although we weren't on our serving or passing game, we were, we're still in it. We had opportunities to actually capitalize in a couple sets. And that was an encouraging thing is we weren't uh, specifically good in those areas, but yet we were, we were right in there and battling. And that was encouraging for our team to just say, hey, we can, we can battle through you know, nights where we're not going to be you know, maybe on our game as well in certain areas and still, still battle with anybody in the country. And two of those sets, and, and San Diego's ranked sixth, by the way, so the people know. And they may, did they move up this week? I, can't uh, I don't think so. Okay, so still top ten. Um, and two of those sets were by two points. So the margin of error is just right there. But uh, what do you think the league race is shaping up to kind of look like right now after you played maybe the best team in the league or maybe you think yeah. you're the best team in the league? You know, there's still a lot of volleyball to be played. So, um, you know, I think there's some – some really good teams, obviously a team we play tonight, St. Mary's, um, you know, LMU, you know, was up 2-0 in San Diego and, and let that slip away. They had a chance mm-hmm. to beat San Diego in three, you know, four or five and uh, Pacific's there. Um, Pepperdine's a good team. Um, let's see, San Francisco, Portland, Gonzaga, we go there next week. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot of volleyball to be played. So I think I'm not quite sure where people are going to fall, but of course we want to be at the top. What challenges will St. Mary's present tonight in the Smith Fieldhouse for you? Yeah, they've got a great uh, coach and Rob Browning and his staff. They do a great job. They're, they're a good serving team. They're scrappy. They play good defense. They've got some offensive options for them that are going to pose some challenges for us that you know, we look forward to trying to figure out. Um, so I, I think just more than anything, they're, they're good volleyball. They have a high IQ level on their team, and so it's just going to be a battle from the beginning. Yeah, I totally forgot uh, Rob Browning, uh, Coach St. Mary's, because he has that BYU connection, I believe. Yep. He, did he go to school here? Was that the connection? Yeah, coached here a little Assistant, bit. Assistant yeah. uh, in the early 2000s, I believe. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Um, th- your team has some real veteran leadership in Boswell and Howard and others, but you still have these young guns, uh, you know, led by Miller and Lake. Is, Mary named her knee brace. Can we talk about that for a second? Are you aware of this? I'm not. Okay, yeah. this is how do we know this and you guys don't? Because the players and now you're in here and we're like she she's named her knee brace Amber. Yeah, we don't really it, talk about her knee brace. Is is it okay? Oh, so, are, does that mean we're done with this? No, I, I, just, I don't book? know why we would talk about her knee brace. Well, but you can. It, it's just funny. She named her knee brace. Is that weird or cool? I, I this is the first time I've heard of it. <laughs> So no answer? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think the question is, are you surprised that Mary Lake would name her knee brace? No, I think, you know, she's, she's, 
she's embracing that she's going to it's going to be there for a little bit until she gets comfortable without it and so yeah. we, and I knew that going into the season so I've never expected you know her to you know take it off at any point and be like hey I don't have the knee brace we've talked about that going mm-hmm. in and so um yeah no it's it's all good thanks yeah. for informing me yeah <laughs> that's what we do we inform people she okay she um tore her ACL what at the beginning or of her senior yeah, year yeah yeah last fall so you've you committed to give her a scholarship before that, right? Yeah, two years before that. Two years before that. You, when did you know she was awesome? Because a libero tears your ACL. That can be kind of a risky deal, right? Bringing her in, but you were like, oh, she's yeah, she's gonna be just, awesome. When she was a freshman and sophomore, and we watched her play and saw her how competitive she was and saw mm. her leadership at that age. And um, I love how loud she is and how she uses her voice, how she communicates on the court, how excited she is for her and for other players as well. So, I mean, there was no question uh, with even that injury. I mean, she was, we were going to stick with her through thick and thin. Part of and sports. Amber. Part of sports are injuries, and uh, we're talking about Mary Lake's ACL that she has overcome, and she's performing at a high level, and and you're dealing with some players that uh, you thought you might have early in the season with Ronnie Jones and Cozy Burnett, but the replacements have been very good, and that, uh, I mean, how do you not get excited about what your depth has been able to produce this season given some key injuries. Yeah, before even going into the season, we talked about how um, the strength of our team was our team. And so um, let's just talk about how great Lacey Haddock is. I mean, what a stud she's been. Um, I ask her to play this position, she does it. I ask her to play this position, she does it. And she does it well. And so um, she's really stepped up. Um, you know, Hannah's come in and just really fit in nicely to our team and added some value, you know, in the backcourt passing and serving. And, and so, yeah, I think... We've got a bunch of girls, and the challenge that we pose to them um, is that please be ready when your moment, it's your moment, and um, they're all going to get their moments. I don't know if it's early or late or if it's today or tomorrow, but you got to be ready when you have your opportunity, and I think the team's done a great job at, at embracing that. The always fashionable Heather Olmstead may or may not be wearing her BYU Sports Nation t-shirt tonight. <laughs> and we won't judge if she's not, but you can watch her and her team tonight on BYU TV. Listen on BYU Radio. 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain Time. Good luck, Heather. Let's Thank give you some karma. Awesome. Karma. Give it. Yeah, and let's be honest, Jeremy. She, she doesn't need fashion advice from us, right? No. <laughs> I'm not the fashion guy. I'm the plaid shirt guy. You, look, Heather, you both look great. Oh, th- thank, you. thank you. Wow. We'll bring you back again soon. <laughs> Up next, the Cougar Whip Around. Ashley Hatch playing with the U.S. national team. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. What a show today, and it only gets better tomorrow, Jerem Jordan. That's right. ESPN's Mike Patrick. He'll call the game, Michigan State and BYU, as well as the man who gave us the BYU Sports Nation gym, Bo Hodge. Bo Hodge. Brady Papinga will join us, plus our going for two picks. That's coming up tomorrow. Do I get to do those if I'm on a plane? Yeah. Okay. We'll make it. You did... uh, Two weeks ago. That's true. We'll make it work. Technology, baby. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Jerem, do the honors. Robert Bowlesby. Mm-hmm. Is this going to pay off? I mean, is this really going to pay off? What, the Rise and Shout? Yeah. Yeah, it does every day. Let's hope so. Somebody joked the other day. If not, we can't hey, the Big 12 it. is extending this out because Bob Bowlesby just wants to hear his name called on BYU Sports Nation every day. <laughs> and Ashley Hatch, by the way. We should throw her in there. Who made the... Uh, 24-woman U.S. national team camp preparing for two matches against Switzerland in October here. Awesome. BYU's Ashley Hatch could play for the U.S. national team against Switzerland. She'll she'll play in Utah against Switzerland. They will put her in the game in Utah. That is awesome. I promise you. That is so fantastic. Our elite tweet of the day. 
answering what percent chance he could be to win at Michigan State and why. At YFangirl underscore JB says the blue goggles in me says 90% <laughs> on a somewhat struggling Michigan State team. The seasoned BYU fan says 20%. Uh, hey, any chance to win. Thanks to Harvey Younger, Heather Olmstead, and everyone on our crew, and uh, Mr. Costro from NFL Fans. Oh, Keith Costro awesome. was fantastic. Keith. Download the podcast. For Jeremiah I'm Spencer. Shout out to Robert Lapuaho. We'll see you tomorrow on noon Eastern. Related to...